because at this point, this is no longer a persuasion exercise. This is simply a numbers game. And yeah. at the end of the day, the person who is going to win is the person who gets the most motherfucking votes. Welcome back to Women of AV Polly's Your Province, Your Problem. I'm your host, Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. And I'm her bubbly co-host, Kathleen Smith, a.k.a. Kiki Planet. And I'm Lindsay Amantea, and I demand pie. <laughs> if only. Oh. If only. <laughs> she's been, she's been requesting for a really long time, and I saw her for the first time last night, and the first thing she said to me was, did you bring pie? And I'm like... Oh my god, I could have brought pie. <laughs> it's been three years that I have been I am now I have been protesting for pie for three years and I, I still don't have pie. I make a bitch in key lime pie. Cause that's, that's my helpful. favorite. That's not helpful. <laughs> well, fine that doesn't get me pie <laughs> and specifically it's not even specifically that i want pie it's that i want deirdre to bring me a pie oh yeah it yeah, was it was way back in the day someone promised yeah. me a pie for <laughs> in exchange for a podcast three years ago oh and my god podcasts, and i have not gotten a pie but there's Jenner. an election there's still an election going yeah. on do we're right. going to briefly discuss <laughs> the Arthur Pulowski presser today. Oh no, we're gonna start with the. Do you want to start? But those, but that's yeah. We're gonna keep talking about though. We are not gonna keep talking about this. Oh, okay, good. So let's do Arthur <laughs> Pulowski because it doesn't it doesn't flow as well. So let's do yeah. this one first. Yeah. So okay. So what what happened was, and I mean, if if anybody's not positive about that name, that is the person who Danielle Smith was on the phone with saying. I'll look into getting your charges dropped. And the one that the mm -hmm. ethics commissioner said, uh, yeah, you really crossed the line when you called Shandro and said, I'd like to get, you know, I'd like to help uh, Pulowski out. Right. Anyway, so. so And just to give our audience a bit of a background on Archer Pulowski, he is a notorious street preacher. First of yes. all, let's, let's make this very clear. Archer Pulowski is the pastor of no church. Right. He's he also a, not a church pastor. Huge bigot. And he is a street hateful, preacher. Hateful man. Yes. And the the crux of his preaching is that gays cause all the evil in the world. Gays mm. cause all the natural disasters in the world. Gays are going to hell. He is obsessed with LGBTQ2 yeah. persons. And if there's any way that Arthur Pulowski can insert himself into any situation in an attempt to get media exposure, he will do it. Yeah. And so this is and this is exactly what he did. He sent out press releases saying that he was going to tell, quote, his side of the story about that phone call with Danielle Smith after she became premier uh, subsequent conversations or previous conversations like it was supposed to be it was supposed to be something that media might be interested in so media showed up and what a shit nato ensued <laughs> exactly what you would expect from Pulowski. yeah um and and he basically tried to you know i've got witnesses but they're not coming out until daniel smith debates me on the steps of the legislature like, it's just that? so bad <laughs> Yeah, and he claimed he was offered $2 million to 
do something or another for the UCP and that he was invited to cross the floor, yeah. which you can only cross <laughs> the floor if you're an MLA, mm -hmm. which Archer Pulowski definitely isn't. So, um, I, you know, in, in the midst of all that madness, I just want to express respect and gratitude for local Edmonton journalist Sean Amato. Okay. Because Sean, Sean Amato went there to cover it before he could actually do any live tweeting. He realized he was standing at the bottom of Bullshit Mountain and chose not to report on it at all and made very clear that he will not be amplifying Pulowski's hateful rhetoric and lies. Awesome. So Sean Amato, thank you. Mad respect to you. And if more media outlets would take that stand with craziness, we might not end up with as many lunatics in politics as we have. Stop giving I don't know about that. Oh, I I blame CNN in large part for Trump getting elected. So yeah. I, I think the, the American media gave that man so much free coverage that none of his opponents received. Uh, under the guise of look how awful this man is when what they were really doing was trying to uh, boot up their ratings. So I, I have respect for reporters who recognize when a story isn't really a story and refuse to amplify it. Fair enough. What I would say is I think the interesting thing about what came out in that presser is the fact that Arthur Pulowski called Danielson the liar mm -hmm, you yeah. know um the narrative around sort of this leaked phone call was that um you know uh Smith was imprecise in her language those are her words mm. um it, which to be fair is exactly what the um uh the ethics commissioner uh reported um and I don't know that she thought they were imprecise so much as she thought that Smith simply did not understand who, who the crown prosecution is um <laughs> that's a terrifying issue. thought different issue different issue i'm gonna drive past that one um but the fact that you know the the secondary narrative to to walking that back has always been that she didn't know that that was what the call was about and for Pulowski to come out and say this was the only thing the call was about it was never about anything else i didn't blindside anybody um is interesting um in in a number of respects part of it being which one of them do you believe i mean you know i think Pulowski is a a, a looney tune but mm -hmm. i've never accused him of being a liar i've never known him to couch his words okay but the rest of the presser was a little out there it, there's no, no, there's no way the rest of the presser was true though and that's what that's what made the stuff he, about danielle unbelievable he is a looney tune don't get me wrong and so yeah. either he either he is telling the truth about this mm -hmm. um and or he, you know in his own mind he may believe these other things um to be true um or he's not telling the truth and then i think it's super interesting that he's trying to take her down and that oh, he's oh, yeah. now he's turned on her definitely uh, doing that it, you know he's definitely turned on her but i think it's interesting 
you know, either he's trying to save his own reputation or he's trying to take hers down or, or both, you know, to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find, and I, and I think it's telling of, you know, what may happen if Smith wins um, insofar as, you know, we, we've speculated a number of times about even if she wins, how long does she stay premier? Right. You know, we've, we've no heard, way she makes a term. We've, we've, we've heard groups like take back Alberta, say things like they they're just going to kick her out of the seat right once once they've reformed government so um is this the beginning of that i don't know is this just a separate faction who happens to be thinking the same thing i don't know um but i find the whole thing fascinating yeah it's like the underground of alberta politics that is suddenly well you know on the steps of the legislature so i have a theory about what happened today in terms of it being um, sort of the the pin in the end of it. I really think that Danielle Smith promised Archer Pulowski some stuff. Now, again, I'm just expressing an opinion here. This is my singular opinion. I have nothing to back this up. Don't sue me. This is just a theory. I think she promised some shit. She based promised on, everyone. Based but- on the conversation that we heard from those recordings where she's uh, a little upset that she doesn't have the power to pardon right. him and him being surprised by that and her saying, well, I thought I did. That's an indication there were previous conversations oh. around pardoning him. Uh, oh, around pardoning clemency. all of them. Pardoning yeah. everyone who was who was yes. being, yeah. So I think Danielle made promises or her team made promises. Oh, she made them she made them publicly that could not yeah. be fulfilled. And now he's mad because he not only bought into it but I would uh, assume that the quid pro quo for that promise was he'd bring his people to vote for her in the leadership. Of course. You know? And then right. she wins the leadership and he's waiting on his pardon and shit doesn't happen. And he is mad. Yeah. He is mad as hell. I don't believe that the party offered him $2 million. I don't no. believe they, there is no way. I'm sorry. There is no way this party would ever want Pulowski as one of their own MLAs with his history. Rick MacGyver still suffers the pain of his choice to walk in Pulowski's walk for Jesus. Yeah. And calling he he Rick MacGyver said of Archer Pulowski, Archer's doing the Lord's work. And no one is ever going to let Rick MacGyver forget that. There's no way the UCP said, oh, we'll give you a safe riding to run in. <laughs> I don't buy it for a second. No. I, I don't either. But it doesn't mean that he's not conflating some sort of promise with a monetary value. And somewhere okay. down the line, somewhere set, someone said, look, this could be worth up to, you know, a couple million dollars. Right. If you and do this for us. If you, you yeah, if you do this yeah. for us, we're we're gonna find you a contract, or we're gonna find you some work, or we're gonna find whatever, and and you know it could be worth a couple million bucks, right? Yeah. Which okay. is sort of a throw, which could be a throwaway comment that most people are gonna go, uh huh, sure, sure, sure. But when you're already a bit of a loony tune, um, you hear it could be worth a couple million bucks as you will give me two million dollars, right? True. Yeah, I think that's absolutely okay. valid. 
right? Okay. Like I can see, I can see, I can see how a throwaway, what would be a rather throwaway comment to most people could be construed and then misinterpreted or spun in that direction. And so mm-hmm. I think there are, what I would say is I think I feel like there are kernels of truth, small ones, but I think there are kernels of truth right. in what happened today that have been conflated and twisted, um, misunderstood, um, you know, misremembered and um, shaped to a particular narrative. And possibly embellished a little. A hundred percent. And so just a little, but like, I don't, I don't think any of those statements are out of the realm of possibility. And I can see how someone would get there. Right. And I can see, no. Well, and it's it's all together possible that he was promised a bunch of shit that was completely never going to happen. And they never planned on it happening anyways, that in the heat of the moment, they figured just shut the guy down, shut the guy up and, and get his people to vote for Danielle. Like we we'll know worry about it later. The, we'll worry the, about it later. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think they expected to have to worry about it in, in this way. Opposition politics is very different. Yeah. I, you, I just you can't imagine how-, how she didn't know already that she didn't have that power. And let's say because, she didn't. Because her we'll inspiration her- comes from the U.S. Constitution. Oh, and, and Ron DeSantis. <laughs> let's get, let's just give her the benefit of the doubt. And I hate doing it, but let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say Danielle did not know she did not have that power. She did know that she cannot call. Chandra, yeah. Chandra and pressure him in a passive-aggressive manner, according to Chandra, to get the charges dropped or to intervene in the investigation. She knows that because of the things she said about Justin Trudeau. She already knew because she commented on that endlessly. Mm -hmm. So one way or the other, the truth of the matter is that Danielle Smith behaved very badly. Absolutely. No, a hundred percent. And, you know, I would say like, I don't know how many leadership campaigns you guys have been involved in, but it is the dirtiest of dirty politics. Yes, it um, is. It is, it is the backroomiest of backroom politics. It is, I mean, one member, one vote makes it a little bit, a little bit better um, in some respects, um, at least at the national stage. But, you know, it is literally how many people can you get to show up to the polls? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. and on that note, should we talk about showing up to the polls? Let's talk <laughs> about what is great segue. Now, before anybody out there pees their granny panties, as it probably <laughs> sounds like I'm doing, I just want to say this. Turnout for the 2019 election Mm-hmm. Yes, that uh, saw the UCP come to power with Jason Kenney as premier was historic. That election saw 68% of eligible voters in this province show up to vote. And uh, yeah, that was a change election. However, and how many, and how many do we know how many of them showed up for the advance? What so we know is that some thousand. All over the place okay. online, I'm watching people dissect and discuss. <laughs> and of course, everyone sees what they want to see. People who want a change in government see a change election on the horizon when they see those numbers. Under normal circumstances, 
I would, I would agree with them, but we have this whole monkey wrench in this election called take back Alberta and take out, take back Alberta uh, aside from their organizing, which has been touted as it's off the charts. It's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. They hold seminars online. They are hosting rallies that see more people show up for those rallies than show up for the rallies of Notley and Smith combined. Mm -hmm. And they are huge. Get out the vote. Yeah. So before all of my center to left uh, friends and frenemies, out there start thinking these numbers indicate a notly win. Uh I I think you I think you need to take a breath. And and what I would say is, you know, comparing the 20 the 2015 election results to the 2019 election results. Mm-hmm. Um ultimately the NDP actually got more votes overall. Like it wasn't a huge, numbers. it wasn't a huge increase, but it was still an it increase. Was still, it was still an increase. It was 15,000 more people, but like, yeah. that's a, actually like, that's a pretty consistent um, turnout for them. Um, it was, you know, and, and, and I'm not going to, and I hate when people do this. I'm not going to conflate the PC plus wild rose vote to the UCP vote because Good. we know that that's not correct. <laughs> that's not the way it works. <laughs> it's not the as way it much works. as people like to do that, that's not the way it works, kids. As much as yeah, as much as people like to do that, because you you know you look at um, the for instance in 2015 the Alberta Party got 33,000 votes, and in 2019 they got 171,000 votes, right? Um, uh, but you know the the difference the real big change maker last time was simply turnout and yeah. so we went from in 2015 having and i'm trying to do math very quickly so i apologize about 1.4 million people voted in 2015 mm-hmm. versus um and and in 2019 that number was 1.8 so we have 400,000 more people. Wouldn't it be more? More in 2019. More than 1.8. Because it wasn't 1.2 for UCP, 600 and some thousand no, for was, the NDP, was, and 173,000 for the Alberta Party. No. no. So it was it was 1,040,000 for the uh, UCP. So you're yeah. off by a couple hundred thousand. So I'm standing, I'm sitting here with the numbers in front of me. Stop doing math. Um, to say 1.2 Deirdre but that's not it if you look it up online as I did right before we started it's 1,040,000 I think it's either 1,400 1,040,000 it's 1,040,000 yeah and then you compare that even to to 2012 uh, which again you know we, we we've seen very similar modeling in this campaign um we had 1.2 1.2 million people vote. Lindsay moves right. her Lindsay moves her lips when she's thinking. When I do math, and there's yes. no and there's no words coming out, and I was like, "Oh, we lost Lindsay." <laughs> no, so, no, sorry. So uh, let's was, I, <laughs> let's pause on those numbers for a second because now I'm thinking about some stuff. And okay, what did I, what did we what did we get I, for those last numbers then? So again, it's for 2019. It was 1.8 million people right. showed up to vote. 
The prior election was 1.4. The prior the election prior to that was 1.2. So we've seen a steady increase. And to be fair, we've also had a steady increase in the number of people who live in Alberta. Right. Um, I I think there's I think though when we look at each of those elections individually we can see all the other factors that contribute to turnout too. Because that's one of the, I, I love, um, I, I love looking at the parts of campaigns that aren't in your face and, and how that affects the outcome. And, and it's easier to do in hindsight, right? Like we, we can talk about how the NDP has had, Um, a steady increase and how well they did in the last election when you compare that to pre-UCP, right? When that, yeah, if you compare 2012 to not their big win in 2015, but 2019, you see a huge increase, right? Yay, NDP. But I think there are other factors of that that we don't often discuss, that it's not just about the NDP bringing in more people. The Liberal Party kind of disappeared. They went NDP. Went, yeah. Also correct. Yeah. Because yeah. for a long also time, correct. we had um, PCAA, no. NDP, Liberal Party. Then we had the Wild Rose for a while. Then we had the Alberta Party for a while. And then suddenly we became a two-party state. And that yeah. means people now it have to choose orange or blue and that's that's going to increase numbers for the NDP just because of that situation just because of being uh the but, only but other even, option yeah even even taking into account sort of the 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 combination of the liberal party and the NDP we are seeing the number of people vote go up yeah period full stop you know, looking looking at turnout through, you know, the 90s and the early aughts, turnout was low. It was 40% in well, some elections. And because I, it, it, we've also looked at that and said it's because we were a one-party state. Yeah, nobody cared. That's correct. Yeah. Nobody well, cared. It wasn't, that, it wasn't that nobody cared. It was that there... Nobody thought they could the, make a difference. Right. There, there was this idea that it didn't matter if you went out and voted because the, the, the PCs would just continue to be government. And right. so, which, which is, I mean, not, not incorrect. Um, and, you know, um, uh, you know, bless him, Greg Clark used to say uh, 44 years of a one party system. And I used to yell back 44 years of no opposition. That's <laughs> very true too. And, no, I, and I want to stop on that point because that is a very valid point. We did not see real opposition in this province until we had the wild rose. And don't get me wrong. Do not get me wrong. I was opposed to just about everything the Wild Rose represented and was quite vocal about my opposition to that party. But they were good opposition. They were good opposition. And we finally had a party and a leader in Danielle Smith who was opposition, who was holding the government to account yeah and i'm not sure that dynasty would have fallen had the wild rose not been there for scandal after scandal after scandal so i think that was a factor i also think a factor in increased voter turnout is social media and we can we can bitch about social media and 
Zeus knows I've had my ups and downs with it. And at least once a week, I think about deleting every account on every social media <laughs> app and never returning. But I'd miss my friends. <laughs> I stick yeah. around. Right. You're in Edmonton. <laughs> We're way down here. That's right. That's God forbid we talk to each other on a phone. <laughs> We'd rather tweet at each other. But I think social media has been a huge factor in voter turnout as especially amongst young people. And I think that even though it doesn't affect us, <clears throat> excuse me, directly here, I think the mass and school shootings in the United States that happen on all too regular basis and how American youth have found their voice and found their cause in fighting for tougher gun control laws and Social media is international and Canadian young people see American young people doing stuff and we we tend to sort of echo them. And so I think political activism, along with a lot of the, the nuttiness and the madness that is seeping across the 49th, I think mm. some of that activism and that fight back is coming with it. We saw that with Black Lives Matter here in Canada, well, right? And so we the, we saw it with the the Freedom Convoy that then seeped down into the United States. We share a lot of that sort of reaction to our politics. So I think that has also increased turnout. It has, but what I would say is actually in in my opinion, one of the most important things that um has started happening is the fact that people post about voting and um sort of the public shaming around not voting because yeah. um, there was a really great experiment. I'm trying to remember when it happened. It was in the early aughts where a nonpartisan group in the United States um, uh, would mail out things to a neighborhood and they would say, these are the people like your neighbors voted and you didn't. And they'll know. And, and after the election, we're going to tell everyone if you didn't do it. Um, and that actually had the single largest effect on voter turnout that we've ever seen. That people would know. That's awesome. Hey, I'm, would a, know. I'm, a, I'm a former Mormon. I'm all for shame as a motivator. <laughs> Anyways, it was there. There, they never actually sent out the the follow up, and and ultimately, you know, I've never, I, I personally never used this as a tactic because, um, I think it's creepy and, yeah. Um, yeah. and to be and to be clear, I say that as somebody who. The federal party, every federal party gets voter uh, voter data. They don't know who you voted for, but they know if you showed up. Right. And um, based on our sequence numbers and uh, that you get in the mail. And so I can go and pull a list of people who didn't vote in the last election and ignore all of them. Um, <laughs> legitimately. Just block um, them on Twitter. Find them and block them all on Twitter. Yeah, you don't get to find say them. shit to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out, friends. Um, but uh, no. But one of the yeah, one of the most interesting things was as people start posting about voting, about going and voting, and and you know, people are realizing certain people don't post about it. Yeah. Um, it, it, it is. Ooh, no, that's it a great is. point. As someone who spends so much time on social media, Facebook and and Twitter especially. And Twitter and whatever a great else or point. Instagram or whatever it is. One person in your puppy gets a feed. Within three months, they've all got puppies. 
This is what happens on social media because we're, we're living our lives online. We're taking pictures. We're posting we're living, about our lives. We're posting about it. We, we, are, we are social animals. We like to do things that our friends are doing. So to the extent, I think the fact that I think a great uh, motivator and turnout has been, uh, and we saw it in the U.S. elections, is the little check mark on Facebook that you could say, I voted. Yeah, mm-hmm. you could see all of your friend, all of your friends who had checked it and said I voted. Yeah, um, also loving the swag, the I voted swag. Yeah, like can oh, we yeah. get that shit up the here? Sticker. I want the stickers. I want the pins. Strathmore so did it loudly. <laughs> I will say this: I do, I do have a role, and I will give you one, Kiki. I do have a role <laughs> of the Georgia, oh my the Georgia peach. I voted y'all. I would love that. I would love that. I love that stuff. So I'm gonna I get it tattooed. I have two sets. I have one that says I voted the all, and I have one that says I'm fixing the vote. Nice. I love that. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's the the things that have happened, and and one of them absolutely is you know show show your vote. People getting pictures at the I or at the vote sign. Um, not allowed to take pictures yes. in the booth. Don't take pictures of your ballot. Uh, but but taking pictures of going to vote. And, you know, I did it last year. Well, sorry, the last two times that we had. So we had municipal and federal. And I took my eldest two kids because they were both able to do it. So, you know, it was a it was a family thing. It was a, mm-hmm. you know, here's a picture of us. We all voted. And and exactly like it's something that you can kind of get into that play it's it's the it's the trending hashtag it's the yeah you know it's yeah. the- you know, well, we've we've been very lucky our provincial polling station is like i can it's across the street from my house basically <laughs> and our federal polling station is a block beyond that mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. for the past 20 years 15 for- minutes, cities yeah, exactly. <laughs> For the past 20 years, every time my husband and I have gone to vote, we always vote together and we always take the kids. Yeah. Your kids and can't on vote, that point, but your kids but they can walk can, up to the poll with you. They and they can go in there with you. And if they're under 12, I believe it is, they can go under 18. Under it, they can stand there and watch you put your check beside a name. And it's important. It really is. And it's important. We say this all the time. Talk about politics with your kids mm-hmm. and let them express their own opinion. I'm I'm not going to be a braggart. And I am, of course, a political nerd. But by the time uh, Kiki Jr. was seven, they had met their mayor, their city councilor, their MLA, their MP, and their prime minister. And I'm very proud of that. And they could name every single one of them. That's how you raise kids who will hold governments to account, who are politically aware, and who can form their own intelligent, informed opinions. So take your kids to vote. And I'll I'll tell you the other side of that that story. My mom used to take me to vote with her. um, um, And, you know, often she would ask me who to vote for because she just didn't know. And... (laughs) Um, and, and I was, and I was politically engaged even, even before I, I could vote. Um, but taking your kids to vote with you statistically makes them more likely to vote in their first election. And if you vote in your first election, you're more likely to vote in every election thereafter. Yeah. And so if we raise kids who understand the civic duty that voting is, it's a right, but it's also a duty. 
um, the the better informed they will be, the more likely they are to turn out, and the more likely they are to be involved yeah. in their communities. And um, I know ultimately it's the ultimate act of community to go and vote. And there's yeah. a lot of parents. Before you come after us on Twitter, we completely understand the constraints of family life and working full time and daycare scheduling. And we know that it's not a possibility for every family. There, there's families that even but even just talking, for. but even just talking about it after. Yes. What did you and do today? Tell at them you voted. What did you do today at daycare? I went and voted. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now I'm yeah, going to throw this in because I, so I was, I was raised with, um, so my grandmother was born in 1931. So she, you know, her mother didn't have the vote for a number of years, right? So she had instilled in my grandmother how important it is to vote. And Nana did it to me, which was fantastic. Love, love that she did that. However, <laughs> this is why it's important to talk to your kids about voting and about, you know, like how you how you decide who to vote for, because Nana was super um, stringent about getting me out to vote. And I would be like, OK, you know, so we're voting like, so who are you voting for? And she's like, well, that's a secret. And I'm like, OK. <laughs> like that ends the conversation there I guess <laughs> so but like yeah so you do have to just just a suggestion maybe talk about it just a little more I mean I've I've got that so I I know I have to show up I know I have to vote um but for many years that's all I really knew right it's a secret you don't ask anybody how they're voting you don't talk about how you're voting so like, wow, didn't I do a 180? Um, <laughs> but but to go from from that kind of an environment where you don't talk about it to an environment where you do. And, you know, like I like I said, like my kids have surprised me. Um, the one I will never forget. And and I really do love this piece about Facebook is the memories because every year on, uh, I don't know, November 16th or 8th or something, I get a Facebook memory when I took a picture of my calendar that was on the fridge and one of my little lovely children uh, wrote hashtag Trump on it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was, I was like, who did that? Who did that? Night? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I found the one. Um, oh. <laughs> but he was like, he's like, you know, got you, didn't I? And I'm like, that's, ugh. but the, but the thing is, you know, but he knew, he knew enough about what was going on that he was able to just needle me just a little bit. And it was, but that's and good too. Exactly. Nothing right? wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing and wrong so, with that. I mean, politics, these are... politics doesn't have to be a blood sport 24 seven. It doesn't. 24 six. And your kids six. will have fun with you for it. Or 227. <laughs> 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, yeah. 227. Just take it. You gotta take a break. Have a shower day. in there somewhere. <laughs> right? Shower. Yeah. Little moisturizer. And so yeah. I mean, we've so we have been talking about polls. We've been talking about polling. Um you know, I've I've kind of Turn come out. up with a yeah. Well, and let's yeah. face it, both sides, 
Both sides are driven this election. Both sides are are driven. This is predicted to be uh, the closest election in the history of Alberta. It is 100% the closest election. It's an historic election. It's an election with two uh, both very well-spoken, well-educated, dynamic women party leaders going head to head like everything about this election is historic oh you're so, so optimistic kathleen i'm trying can look, i crap on that this, for a second <laughs> it's this or go eat another bag of oreos <laughs> okay so so let's have this conversation because i watched um i watched a daniel smith presser this morning and uh, it was just, it was, it was sort of this random presser that was called. Uh, we knew already that Pulowski was doing something. So it's like, is this going to be related? Um, this morning, the UCP started attacking Sean Fluker. That's the Airdrie Cochran candidate uh, because he... You mean Professor Sean Professor Fluker? Sean Fluker, yes. Professor yes. at the Faculty of Law? That's the Sean one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, him. Because, like, months ago, he argued in front of the Supreme Court uh, for, basically, on on behalf of, it was on behalf of people or groups in the Calgary area who had hired him to um, to argue yeah, in support. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, they, yeah, he did a job. Um, and And so he was... So he argued in favor of Bill C-69. And so this is what the UCP was attacking him on. Having an aneurysm. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So so this comes out today. And the first thing that a lot of us noticed was, number one, this happened months ago and was also a thing then. Yeah, this is a distraction. But we were talking last night. I'm like... What's their distraction going to be? <laughs> the first thing I checked the feed for this morning was, is there like a UCP presser? Like, what's going on? Because there was no way she was getting out of this without a distraction. Yeah. They had to have and, a distraction. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay's chomping at the bit. Okay, go. Okay, go, go Lindsay, go. Lindsay. <laughs> this is how being a lawyer works. You don't have to agree with every single thing that your client wants you to say. It is your job to go and fucking advocate for them and to zealously advocate for them. And if you don't do that, you're actually breaching your oath. And so for someone to go after a lawyer, a lawyer whose job it is to advocate for the people who fucking pay them, I... Sorry, I like I'm having a hard time finding words because if this does doesn't show how little the UCP understands the justice system, I don't fucking know what does. And we have a whole long list yeah. of inventors <laughs> with this premier not understanding the justice system. And for somebody whose chief of staff is also, also a lawyer. fucking lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I wish the audience could see Lindsay right now because her rage is is palpable. It's yeah. kind of sexy, I might too. Actually, oh, that's the cleavage. Um, <laughs> I might actually explode from rage. Like, yeah. first off, I actually think I might have been on Sean Flicker's hiring committee when we hired him at the school. And this is how it fucking works, people. Yeah. If you can't, if you only have lawyers 
who are only willing to argue if they are in support of something, you're all screwed. People will not have lawyers. That's right. No it's like it's like right it's like a criminal lawyer. A criminal lawyer. You cannot say. You can't look at a criminal lawyer and say. I mean, but people do. Um, but looking at a criminal lawyer and saying, well, you obviously support all of these crimes that your client is charged with. Otherwise, why would you be trying to help them out? That is, is not how it works. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, uh, I went to an Advocate Society dinner um, uh, about a month ago, and um, Mary Heenan was the was the guest speaker. And it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful uh, speech. If you I can find it and download it. I worship her. I worship her. But it was very much about um about the idea of do you support everything your your clients do? And the answer is no. And that's not the fucking point. Everyone is entitled to representation and they're entitled to yeah. zealous representation because the entire purpose of the justice system and defense counsel is to see that justice is done and no more. Yes. Right. It is to be a check and balance against the justice system. And so for someone to say that these people, for whatever reason, don't deserve to have a lawyer go and argue for them and to succinctly put their arguments to the Supreme Court of Canada is fucking ludicrous. Yeah. Yeah. But they know that. They oh, know they, yeah, that. They, fully, they, do. they know that fully. <laughs> but... It the general public doesn't. And we yeah. know that the general public doesn't because we saw the reaction to Marie defending Gomeshi. Yeah. Like suddenly she was rejected as a feminist. Are you kidding me? Her representing Gomeshi is the height of feminism. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. peak feminism. So we already know the, the public at large does not understand how being a lawyer works whatsoever or how our justice system works specifically the the criminal system mm -hmm. and it is it's yeah. so so that had i mean as it turned out that was not what daniel smith's presser was about but here's the thing if they get eyeballs on that presser so I listened to this and one of the things that I that I'd kind of thought of was, hey, you know, if it is if it is related to Sean Fluker, if it is related to Bill C-69, this just allows Daniel Smith to stand up and remind everyone that the UCP is super duper duper supportive of oil and gas. And I was like, OK, you know, not a not a bad tactic, but it wasn't to do with that. It was a reminder. And this this actually because I did Deirdre, have a I, I don't had a go couple off of, a, don't go in an alley. No, I had I, I had a conversation with uh, I uh, Carrie Tate from the Globe and Mail had called me on Sunday, I think it was, and she was like, "What does the NDP need to do? What does the UCP need to do in this last week?" And I said, "The NDP probably needs to be looking at uh, pushing predictability." and stability, right? That yeah. is something the UCP can't do. And the UCP, well, they can just keep attacking Rachel Notley on the economy because apparently the NDB is just going to let her keep doing it. So I guess that's just what she does um, or what the UCP does. But anyways, so the thing, so during this press conference, Danielle Smith reminded everyone that she is offering uh, tax cuts, that she's going to introduce the taxpayer protection act and that is going to protect which businesses. is redundant 
It's oh, redundant. But this one doesn't allow, I mean, because the other one was for the sales tax, right? So this one is very specifically, they can't, no government can raise any tax without a referendum. And the people saying, yes, I agree. So this is, so she reminded people that she was going to do this. She reminded people that that would provide economic stability and that that would provide taxation like predictability for people looking to invest here and for the companies that are already here and for the job creators and i kid you not this press conference that she did it was uh i had a conversation with stephen carter two days ago and no wait that would have been monday so yesterday <laughs> Yesterday, I had a conversation with Stephen Carter, and we were talking about how, um, you know, the negativity, like the NDP is just getting hammered on this negativity. And Carter's like, well, he said, people don't remember. Well, I mean, the people who were uh, targeted remember, but the people who, but Calgary generally doesn't remember that 2017 under uh, Nahed Nenshi, mm -hmm. that that campaign was super negative. Yeah. But it was couched in positivity. And I'm watching Daniel Smith's presser today, and she does. She's absolutely negative towards the NDP. And then she turns it around and she starts talking about how optimistic we all are about Alberta and Alberta's future. And you know what? Just listen to me and just stick with me because I am taking you there. I am the one to lead you there. It's and even though the NDP is bad and how bad the NDP is, but you know what? We are happy and we're excited. And if you notice a difference in the inflection in my voice, fucking nailed it. <laughs> it know, was amazing. I'll, I'll tell you this. So you know who's actually, you know who's really good at that is Justin Trudeau. Oh, God. Yeah. Very, it's, yeah. I call it, I call it the drama teacher voice. Yes. Mm. And it's with Danielle. It is the media trainer. Yes. And it, and it is it's a Sean. media professional. And I, I've got it. There's a, there's a Don Henley song. I think it's a Don Henley song <laughs> from the eighties called dirty laundry. Oh yeah. And I remember the, that one. The lyrics of the song are basically about, the media and there's a line in the song where he says you've got the bubble-headed bleach blonde comes on at five she can tell you about the plane crash with a gleam in her eye and anytime danielle is going negative on i'm not calling her a bubble-headed bleach blonde i'm just saying it's that same anchor lady yeah smile oh, through the horror she nailed it it was you know who used to be really good at that is uh sandra jansen Ah, oh, oh, she's well, she's also media, media. personality, yeah. big media personality. You know how to handle yeah. yourself in front of the cameras. You yep. know what pleases people, right? And, and I have yeah. to, I have to throw this out there as as when I started the podcast way back in the day, and it was called This Week in AB, and Sandra Jansen was, I think, my first interview, and wow, did I learn how to get schooled by a media professional who wants <laughs> to tell a certain story and that's it. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I, I, I just, I totally just got steamrolled also, there. Also, Sandra's <laughs> a hell of a lot of fun in real life. Let's talk, let's talk quickly about, you know, we're, we're, you know, maybe we all close out with, with one thing um, 
that we think the campaigns need to do in order to push it over the edge because we have okay. currently currently as of and i'm just i'm just pulling this off a uh, 338 there are 14 ridings that are they're not pulling just within the margin of error of each uh, uh, of each other they are they're they're like actually tied 50 yeah, 50 right. i'm not i'm not even talking about the yeah. ones where we're still pulling in the margin these are the ones that I are mean, coming down to eight tied. votes and we won't find out i'm and so this angry is, yeah. because okay. that's exciting <laughs> and we should have been able to enjoy the excitement of this election and it's just been a horror show i feel like oh, yeah. we were robbed <laughs> i'm enjoying everything i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> yes. um and so what's what's the one thing that everyone needs to do i would say i'll go first um ignore the polls ignore all the polls stop relying on the polls ignore the polls i saw uh quinto maggie is that his name yep keto keto maggie keto he tweeted that he's called he's already called it for the ndp I've seen enough. The NDP will win. I've seen you, enough. You've not seen shit, dude. You've not seen shit. Just simmer down over there. Just ignore the polls. That's my advice. Lindsay? All right. Get out your vote. And and when I say get out your vote, I mean get out your, not only your ID vote, but get out your base. Because at this point, this is no longer a persuasion exercise. This is simply a numbers game. And yeah. at the end of the day, the person who is going to win is the person who gets the most motherfucking votes. Yep. That's what so always wins. That's how it works. Um, <laughs> you want to know what wins po- campaigns? Fucking oh. votes. Also regular <laughs> votes, not just the fucking ones. Um, but votes win campaigns. Votes win elections. And so be strategic. Focus on the writings that matter. Focus on the writings and play. Joe CC, stop handing out coffee in your own fucking writing. Yeah. <laughs> You've already won. The NDP in Edmonton need to be in places like, like Strathcona. They yep. need to be in Spruce Grove. They need to be in Edmonton Southwest. Everyone else needs to be in Calgary. And mm-hmm, yeah. um, and wherever the fuck Morinville is. Sorry, friends. Um, St. Albert like, Morinville. So it's like St. Albert North. It's Morinville St. Albert, first off. And right, because M comes in for us. St- <laughs> and I still don't and I still don't know where those places are. It's north. It's slightly north of Edmonton because it's it's encompassing some of St. Albert. Uh, which is just I like- didn't ask because I wanted an answer. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a rhetorical statement. Okay. Yeah. But my point is don't be campaigning in places like Buffalo. Don't be campaigning in places like Riverview. You fucking yeah. won. Go do other shit. Exactly. And, and, and maximize your resources. Yes. And, and so, Deirdre, your advice and close it so out. My last thing for the campaigns, um, it is absolutely get your vote out, but it's not just getting your vote out. It's reminding them when they're going to the polls, take a friend, make sure that they're going together. This should be something that, that, that could be advertised as it's a road trip and we're going to you know, hit a bar and we're going to, we've got a designated driver and we're going to take everybody. Let's go. Whatever you need to do to get the most people in your vehicle to the voting station, do yeah. that. Call your Just friends. Don't pay make for it their fun. beer. Don't right. pay for their beer yeah. or their cigarettes. <laughs> There's a history of that in this province. 
Yeah, you can't do that. People in trouble, you can't do that. But you can take them and so make it a fun time. Make it a fun time when you're going to all get together and you're going to do this together as a group. Um, Make it social. Exactly. It is. It's a social event. And you know what? I'm I'm excited for it. Kathleen, what are you doing on election night? I just assumed I was hanging with you, baby. Oh, but there's a strategist thing going on downtown Calgary, and I might be doing that. Oh, <laughs> well, fine. All right. I guess so, I'm eating so, Oreos on my sofa then. <laughs> Lindsay, do you not have plans either? My plans were to hang out with Kathleen, so you can do whatever the fuck you oh, want. Fine. <laughs> I'll okay. bring the pie. All right. So maybe <laughs> then. I mean, nothing would nothing would please me more than not having to drive. So we will maybe see if we can do something because people are looking, I mean, a lot of our social people are looking for some friendly faces, uh, you know, social aspect to voting night. Yeah. Why don't we try and do, do you remember how we used to have, like, we just like let everybody in and. Oh, for um, lockdown happy hour. Yeah. For lockdown happy hour. Let's oh, do like, do you want to do like a live, like a Facebook yeah. live? Yeah. And... Let's do a live. Yeah. Okay. I'm for it. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah.